I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Azzurri fan. Italy exceed the world's expectations, but not ours, as the Swiss fail to deliver the efficiency we were promised. We heap praise on Locatelli and speculate about just how far Italy could go. All that, plus a Wales scouting report from an English spy, and some chat about Gattuso is already out of date on this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to Scudetto Euros edition. Uh, so last week, we are talking about Europe waking up to the Italian challenge. Uh, well, they're definitely wide awake now after Italy leaves Switzerland in their wake. Italy now winning both their opening games 3-0 and uh, moving up to second favourite to win the whole thing with the bookies. So today we're going to be discussing their dominance against Switzerland, previewing the Wales game and talking about other happenings within the Italian football ecosystem since we last recorded. Uh, But first, let's catch up with the squad. Uh, Kenny, how are you getting on? How was your uh, obviously disappointing trip to uh, a live football match? (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm I'm doing very well, thanks, Oscar. Uh, yeah, it was it was amazing to be back at a live football game. To be honest, I said before this tournament started that I wasn't going to let myself get carried away with uh, expectations, and fortunately so because the the result didn't go the way the way we wanted it to. But it was just really, really it was great, but also really weird to be back in a football stadium, and particularly weird because. It was like a like twenty percent capacity or something, obviously for social distancing uh, purposes. But uh, you could tell that everyone really wanted to get an atmosphere going, and there was like lots of people singing as loud as they could and things. But at the same time, you know, at football games when chants start dying out and they die out slowly. Here it was like as soon as something lost momentum, just the entire stadium fell silent. Um, so it was really weird, but it was nonetheless a nice move back towards normality and just great to see some some football live and in, in the flesh. So yeah, disappointing result, but really, really happy to happy to see Scotland uh, in major finals and in in person as well. Good stuff. What was the attendance again? Something like 25% capacity or? I think it, it was supposed to be 25% capacity but i think it was closer to 20 percent i don't know the official reason for this but i know that for one of the other games that was well below capacity they said that it was because the fan that a certain number of tickets had been allocated to traveling supporters who then just hadn't bothered because of quarantine rules and things had just decided to kind of give up on it um i don't know why they wouldn't have just sold them back to to uefa but maybe they still had hopes uh, back when the window was open that they'd be able to attend. But but yeah, um, nonetheless, yeah, great, great day out. Fair enough. And w- one last question we, we just have to ask. Uh, okay. How impressive was the shit goal live? 
Yeah, well, did you know it was going in as soon as it was hit? Or yeah, of course. I mean, you could you could see, and it's it's one of those things. I I don't know how it was watching it on TV, but watching it live, it kind of seemed to happen in slow motion. And you're like, that's you you saw it leave his boot, and you're like, that's that's going in, isn't it? That's going in. It's going in, and you just knew the whole way. And then when it went in, it was a brief moment of just like shock, uh, and obviously being on the wrong end of a goal like that. Um, yeah, the shock is probably a, a bit worse. But, but um, then just afterwards, all you can really do is just applaud it, um, regardless of if anyone had, was at fault. Uh, David Marshall in goal, or uh, some have said the defender to Hendry. Um, regardless of that, just the execution was absolutely insane. And I feel quite privileged, actually, to have seen that live because that's probably going to be one of the one of the top two or three goals of a tournament. Fair play. I hope you did applaud it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I did wholeheartedly. Well, what can you do? If you're a football fan, you can't yeah. but applaud it. That's good stuff. Um, okay, and how about your beer selection for the evening? What, what have you got there? I've got myself a Cloudwater Soft and Hazy Pale Ale. Uh, it's very, very tasty. I've already opened it up. Not the strongest, only 3.7%, but it seems to be quite citrusy. And yeah, Again, summary. I seem to be choosing all the summary beers for the summer football. Nice. Yeah, we've just been discussing off air uh, what hazy means in beer context. Obviously, we're not beer experts on this podcast, as some of our listeners may have noticed. <laughs> but we think it means that it's less filtered. But it, yeah, there's some very nice hazy beers. Uh, anyway, Buzz, how are you? You've got a hazy beer as well. Yeah, I'm rocking a hazy American pale ale, Bliss Point by Formbridge. Good stuff. And can I just uh, piggyback on Kenny's story for a second and just say that uh, Patrick Schick, uh, formerly of Sampdoria and Roma, knew that uh, Italian football podcaster Kenneth was in the, in the audience and had to wow him. <laughs> it's all for you, Kenny. You just wanted an honorable mention. Well, you're yes. not getting it. <laughs> um, okay. Um, Boaz, anything uh, notable happened in your part of the world or in your experience of the Euros since we last spoke? Nothing uh, critical, but uh, in my quest to find a Welsh correspondent, uh, I was reminded of uh, a tale of when Kenny and I were working in an office in London, and uh, this guy called, uh, I won't guess, actually I won't say his name, but a Welsh colleague of mine uh, failed to say good morning to me one morning, and so as a kind of revenge, I ignored him for four months, and, uh, <laughs> and, and even though we were working on, say, on projects together, and I never spoke, I, I just kind of went, hmm, hmm. <laughs> and uh yeah well let's hope the welsh people don't take revenge uh on sunday for this uh crime against their countrymen bars i'm gonna hold you responsible if there's a surprise result damn <laughs> <laughs> um anyway and my beer i've got a 45 days organic pilsner i think maybe is that because a nordic summer is 45 days long could be i oh, know it takes 45 days to make but it, it's made by a finnish brewery the Nordic summer is about 45 days long. Can we see the can? You seem to normally buy cool cans. You want to see cans. the can? It's actually not a cool can this time. Look, it's just, it just no. says... Four, it's I guess just it's ten. kind of quite quite classic, but yeah. No cool graphics this time, listeners, unfortunately. No. <laughs> that translates so well to podcasting anyway. Um, but yeah, that, like it's always cans here because you recycle the cans and you get a bit of money back. Bit of uh, Finland trivia for you. Anyway... Let's talk about the Switzerland game. Um, where should we start with this one? Should we start with Locatelli, Kenny? I know you wanted to, uh, you've been 
blowing the or what's the word you've been banging the drum for the Sassuolo boys uh, all season I have been yeah and I think that the whole of Europe is now waking up to we said last week that all of Europe was waking up to to Italy but but yeah to I mean to, to Berardi and Locatelli and yeah Locatelli just absolutely outstanding outstanding performance and I said I think I tweeted actually that my prediction for for the Euros was that by the end of it Leicester City wouldn't be able to afford Gozens. I kind of want to I kind of want to revise that prediction and say that by the end of the Euros Juventus will not be able to afford to afford Locatelli. But yeah, I mean just all round again, we picked Locatelli out because he was so obviously the standout, but the entire Italy performance was just pretty much flawless again. And this is another game where Italy could have had four goals. Really, we talked about the penalty in the in the first game that wasn't awarded mysteriously. In this one, thankfully, VAR was working uh, and managed to spot Chiellini's uh, Chiellini's handball in the lead up <laughs> to to that goal that that wasn't. Uh, but yeah, just I, I find it astonishing that during this uh, yeah during this game we had media pundits and sorry if i'm kind of encroaching on one of the points that you wanted to touch on oscar but it kind of flows right that it's astonishing that media pundits here in the uk i don't know about the rest of europe were saying at the end of this i just don't see that italy are gonna have enough goals in them when it comes up to against the the big boys first of all italy have won four world cups italy are the big boys second of all italy have scored six goals in two games and arguably should have had seven and could quite easily have had have had eight. I mean, I don't I don't know. These are all professional footballers as well, highly successful professional footballers. So I don't know where they're getting that from. But yeah, fantastic, fantastic, wonderful Italy performance. Really, really excited for the rest of the tournament. Uh, and yeah, Mancini's just got them. I I would say hitting form at the right time, but they've they've been on form for. I, I've lost count of the number of games now. We were reporting yeah. it every week that undefeated games that they've played but yeah just astonishing yeah it's, it's really impressive also the kind of mental strength isn't it because like you say they had that goal disallowed um for the handball and just kept on coming um, yeah and it, yeah it does seem like some uh some pundits especially in the british media are kind of stuck in the stuck with the idea that italy have played very defensive football it's just not the case at all is it buzz but if, if anything probably weaker in the defensive positions it's been a signature of uh, Mancini's tenure, uh, attacking football for since he joined. And uh, actually, with the exception of the brief parenthesis under Ventura, which we won't mention, the Italy youth system has kind of uh, moved towards playing uh, attacking football as well over the past couple of decades, obviously in an attempt to create future stars. And a great example would be um, Barella, who is quoted as saying that him and Locatelli uh, both played together at under 15, under 17, and under 21 level. And he said that at all these levels, they were encouraged to attack and play kind of short passes and uh, do all the things that Italy are now being lauded for. So I think it's not, uh, it definitely didn't happen yesterday that Italy became a, a fancied side. And uh, perhaps some of these pundits need to uh, uh, brush up their cliched books. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And how important, we, I think you both mentioned in your answers, Chiellini, how important is his fitness going to be? I know he went off with a bit of a knock. 
looks like he's probably going to be back, if not for the next game, then for the knockout games. Despite playing without the keeper for the past uh, f- several games, <laughs> Italy have yet to without the keeper who was excellent. Without the keeper yeah, who was excellent, a very good keeper, and he wasn't there. But um, Italy has not conceded a goal in, I believe, ten games now. And uh, I think that uh, it, it perhaps sounds a little bit presumptuous, but with Chiellini out, I, I fully trust in either Cerbi or Toloi to get the job done. And uh, both are fantastic central defenders. Uh, and of course, Italy, while not being a boring side anymore, they're still defensively sound and uh, there's a lot of cover and the movement is right so that not everyone pushes forward. And uh, you can see the players pressing very high up the pitch to gain the ball back, which means that the, the defense isn't under so much pressure as demonstrated by Immobile's goal. Yeah, and I think, Boaz, you mentioned yesterday in our WhatsApp chat during the game that Italy moved to to a back three, and perhaps that might actually be a good plan B for for Mancini um, because, obviously, Toloi and Acerbi are both used to playing in in back threes and we didn't really notice it to be honest in terms of like it it didn't seem to cause Italy any problems sort of switching system like that they looked very very comfortable and I guess that's because you've got those two players in the team that are used to used to playing that so maybe that's something that we might see maybe that was kind of with a, a view to experimenting for later in the tournament if Chiellini's fitness doesn't stand up whether these these two very good defenders work better in a back three as opposed to as one of a pair with Bonucci. I'll tell you one thing, no one else is going to look as good celebrating clearances with Bonucci as he is. But, um, <laughs> that's a, sort of a separate point. I guess he can maybe do it from the sidelines. Can I just add that um, one of the satirical websites in Italy mentioned that Freuler had a very sad game and, and named him Emo Freuler. So... <laughs> I like that. That's very good. Right, yeah, let, let's move on and talk about the Wales game. Uh, we've got you another scouting report, this time from Philip Renouf, who is a uh, Welsh correspondent with a suspiciously English-sounding accent. I'm assured that he lives close to Wales and has been following the progress of the national team very closely. Over to you, Philip. Hi, so it's been a really interesting tournament for Wales so far, very up and down, with the first game against uh, Switzerland being a real kind of bit of a damp squib from a Welsh viewpoint. Lots of players didn't uh, perform up to expectation. And I think that's to be explained fairly easily, really, with uh, Ramsey having just a non-season, really, with Juventus, uh, struggling with injuries. As you guys know, it just he's, he's not really broken through, particularly at Juventus, and is likely on the move. And then you have Bale, who's had a funny old season, really. He started very slowly and has kind of eased himself into form at the end of, in, in the last few games of the season. Um, and so hopefully we're going to see that in the rest of the tournament. There's also quite a lot of other strange players kind of in this team that have had just very kind of up and down seasons. Uh, I'll mention the centre-back pairings now, which is uh, Mepham and Rodon. They've... Uh, they're very young. You compare that to Italy, who obviously they're going to be against in this last match. And you, you've got the veteran experience pairing of uh, whether it's Chiellini or Acerbi with Benucci. And then you compare that to Mepham and Rodon, who are both what, in their early 20s and uh, have had kind of tricky seasons. Um, Mepham has had a kind of up and down season. 
uh, at Bournemouth and um, rode on similarly at, at Spurs. But I think the evidence of the Turkey match in the in the last round of fixtures is uh, that actually there's quite a lot still to come from this Wales team. And I think Italy might be in for a bit of a surprise as to the challenge that they might be up against here. I certainly think it could well be the most difficult game in the group for Italy. Both teams don't have too much to play for. And certainly the, the feeling in the Welsh camp is that the pressure is off. Um, and that they can just go and enjoy that match, having kind of feeling like that they've probably done enough to certainly get through, whether that's in third place or second place. Yeah, in the first game against the Swiss, they they didn't really turn up. But against Turkey, they were they were fact, frankly fantastic across the team throughout. You've got Kiefer Moore up, up front, and he's going to be... Um, a real handful uh, for, for the Italian centre-backs, but also he does so much work in defence that um, doesn't goes a bit unheralded, really. Um, so Italy are going to find themselves against a challenge where Wales will f- be very difficult to break down, but they also have quite a lot of creativity and really can get at the Italian defence in a way that I don't think that they've had in this tournament so far. It should be a really fun game. And as I say, I think both teams are going to play with without real pressure on them there's some cracking players and i think wales should present a really good challenge for the italians thanks very much to philip there uh kenny what, what do you make of those comments for philip that the pressure's kind of off for these games i mean certainly for italy it looks like it's probably off given that whether they come first or second they're likely to play a second place team yeah i i mean there's there's an element of truth in it also the fact that for for Wales, I think much like for for Scotland, if Scotland can get through, it would be a success. So, um, I mean, that that very much is the case for for Wales as well. I think, given the size of the the size of the footballing nation they are and their sort of history, um, I think they'd be heroes for going through the group. For Italy, I, I I think they do probably just from what Mancini said. He said that they they want to win every game. They're going to approach every game that they want to win it. Um, and I think they've also got this record, this undefeated record that I spoke about earlier that they want to to keep up. Uh, ideally, the clean sheet record as well, which Boaz mentioned. They'll want to keep that up as well, just because it builds confidence, doesn't it? All of this sort of stuff. It can, it's kind of reminiscent of, in fact, I mean, to say it's reminiscent of the performances of that Dutch team in um, South Africa is probably unfair because Italy are undoubtedly a better team than that Dutch team was. But the Netherlands went into that tournament having won every single game and they just carried that momentum through all the way through to the final. And I think psychologically that does have an effect. So it makes perfect sense that Mancini will, will want to win. Um, so I, pressure is a different kind of pressure, isn't it? It's this kind of self-imposed pressure. It's not like an existential uh, pressure, but yeah, I don't think Wales will want to, will want to finish third in this group. And if they get the same sort of treatment as, Turkey and uh, Switzerland have had uh, Italy's hands, then they could find themselves, you know, losing three nil, and um, Switzerland could could beat Turkey by a couple of goals, and all of a sudden, Wales find themselves in in third place. So yes, to a certain extent, I agree. To a certain extent, it's um, maybe not quite as as clear cut as that. Um, the one yeah. thing I would pick up on very quickly is um, what you mentioned about Wales's. Sort of star players, I guess, if you if you will, Ramsey and Bale 
perhaps not having had the sort of most active seasons that they would want coming into this. I think as the tournament progresses, that sort of rustiness comes off. You know, I mean, I know Bale featured quite a lot at the end of the season for for Spurs, and actually Ramsey featured a fair bit for for Juve. But yeah, the more those players play together, the more they get 90 minutes in their legs, the less of an issue that becomes really, and maybe even a, a benefit as the tournament goes on, to be honest, to have the freshness, but then the match fitness coupled with it. I don't think Bale looked that rusty. I mean, I know he missed the penalty, but he was involved in the goals and um, it looked quite sharp, I thought. I mean, in uh, the first part of this episode, we spoke a lot about Locatelli. Um, and something that perhaps we should bring up as well is that uh, Locatelli wasn't even supposed to start in this midfield because PSG's Marco Verratti is uh, ostensibly the the man who's supposed to play next to Jorginho. Again, this kind of shows that even if Italy uh, do decide to rotate some players for the Welsh game, there's still a, a wealth of talent in that squad. I think Mancini has hinted at the fact that he may give a few other players a run out. Yeah. Definitely uh, could make sense. Like you say, though, Kenny, I think uh, it's it's a big game for Metham and, and for Roden because keeping the goal difference down could be key in that difference between finishing second and third. And finishing third, I mean, they might be all right, but it's a real gamble. They could get the uh, number one seed from that group of death. So, yeah, be be an interesting game to watch. I wouldn't say there's nothing at stake. Definitely, definitely uh, will all be watching. Just the, uh, another, you just mentioned the group of death. I did want to say that um, if you look at the UEFA coefficient, the the group Italy is in is the second hardest group in this in this tournament. So again, any, anyone who uh, is kind of uh, looking down at Italy's achievement thus far really hasn't done their homework. Oh, good stat, Buzz. So just uh, moving away from the Euros for one second, um, we should round up what's been going on in the, the transfer market. So uh, Buffon to Parma is now official. So... Um, be good to see him in Serie B next season. Uh, Tomori's also made his transfer to Milan permanent, so we'll be tracking him closely next season. Hopefully, see him appearing for England. Dionysi has left Empoli for Sassuolo, and Rodrigo de Paul leaves Udinese for Atletico. Um, and the big talking point is Gattuso, who has left Fiorentina shortly oh after joining. Yeah, um, rumours today that he's his move has been hijacked by. Paratici, who is the new director of football mm. at Spurs, um, was in very late stage talks with Fonseca. I mean, it's obviously Daniel Levy, like Kenny and I, has realised that Italian football is of such a high standard that that's where he needs to poach his next manager from. He just can't decide which one. I am convinced the two of you are responsible for this so that you can find an excuse to speak about Tottenham. <laughs> it's related to Italy. He's, yeah, a, fan he's a fan of a show. Everyone involved is Italian, except for Levy. Um, So yeah, it it looked like, according to reports, that they were very, very close to finalising Fonseca. Apparently even visas being arranged, budgets being agreed, and they've just sacked him off for Gattuso. I mean, I was quite shocked when I found out. Having thought about it, I would love to see Gattuso at Spurs. I just think he's a great manager and a hilarious man. Is Joe Jordan going to be his number two? (laughs) (laughs) What what do you make of the move, Kenny? I feel really, really bad for Fiorentina fans. I kind of feel like this is a, a great club and I don't really know the ins and outs, obviously, uh, beyond what's what's been reported. 
But, you know, for Gattuso to leave three weeks into a job um, on the basis that there, there was a sort of fundamental difference in opinions on the type of transfers that, that they would make, it sounds like either he was brought in on false promises or there has been a horrendous... Um, a horrendous sort of rupture in communications uh, at some point. Either way, Fiorentina fans, it's a great club. They're incredibly passionate fans and a really, really, yeah, just historic outfit. And they deserve better than this, to be honest, from a, from an Italian football uh, point of view. Uh, and I feel really bad for them. And the fact that Vincenzo Italiano has been linked with them, Vinny Italian, our old, our old mate, is quite encouraging encouraging because uh i think he obviously did an incredible job at spezia and i'd be interested to see what he could do with the the fiorentina squad Uh, but who knows i mean it's just like a clown show really at the moment so uh either way i hope whoever they get in has a decent sort of summer window to to build a squad uh, that kind of fits their their football. Uh, from from a Tottenham point of view, I'm on your side. Um, I I would prefer Gattuso to to Fonseca, but that's all I'm yeah. going to say on the matter. And of course, uh, Scudetto have a bit of a scoop here, where a, a friend of the pod, Michael Hudson, was in Dubai today, I believe, and he saw uh, Ribéry running around shouting in the airport, just <laughs> around the same time as the Gattuso news was breaking. So, <laughs> you know. He was shouting about some, about a grandmother apparently, but still, it's all about Gattuso. Yeah, I'm sure there was. Um, I'm sure he was upset about about the news, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I only caveat we should add that it's, there have been some uh, remarks circulating on Twitter, some quite offensive remarks which have been associated with Gattuso. I don't know um, the veracity of those statements, but obviously quite concerning for Premier League club to be associating themselves with those remarks. So. Um, yeah, that, that's the only caveat. And as I said, don't know the veracity of that, so so don't want to give any more detail. Um, but anyway, thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, that's all we've we've really got time for in terms of talking points. Let's just give a few quick honourable and dishonourable mentions, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, Buzz, you want to kick us off with one for a goalkeeper, not the Italian uh, goalkeeper, but a different one. What Italian goalkeeper? Um, <laughs> this is an honourable mention for Alex Cordas, who last season was uh, the Crotonic captain and keeper. And uh, he was also the, ca- the keeper for the team the previous time they went up to Serie A. He's now 38, but he was uh, recently signed by Inter to be uh, their second keeper. Mostly this was done because uh, back in uh, 2003 to 2005, uh, Cordas was part of the Inter squad and uh, He's he's essentially considered uh, part of their youth system, and so he's he counts towards uh, their allocation of Italian players. So uh, it's a nice story and a nice way to close his career. Good stuff. Um, I wanted to give an honourable to a friend of the pod, Alvaro Morata. I mean, I know that he must be a friend and, and listener of the podcast because he's trying to win every single award. We've just renamed the Galliadini Challenge after him, and he wants the he wants to live the Vidal Loca as well. Need to say more. He's probably up for uh, most dishonorables as well, or or getting close. <laughs> so I'll Balance give him an honorable. Give him an honorable to just even the scales a little bit. Exactly. It was interesting that Juve announced they were extending their loan of Morata just as his uh, epic miss in the Spain Sweden game <laughs> was playing out. <laughs> Great timing. Yeah, I'm 
sure he's glad that he got the paperwork done before that <laughs> came. Um, Kenny, someone who didn't miss, uh, Alexi Miranchuk. Yes, Atalanta's Alexi Miranchuk. I'm giving him an, uh, an honorable mention. It's the return of the goals honorable mention, a Euros special uh, for his goal against your boys Finland, Oscar. Uh, just like incredibly composed and wonderful execution just to kind of just almost like quarterback-esque, isn't it? To just position position the ball uh, so, so accurately. Yeah, lovely, lovely, lovely balance, yeah. lovely execution, lovely goal to look at. It was very good, especially as, I mean, Finland were booting every ball like out of the stadium. And uh, he managed to find the time and put the defender off balance, breaking finish hearts. Anyway, Baz, you've got another dishonorable related to a goalkeeper. And uh, once again, it's not the Italian national team goalkeeper. First of all, I'm going to jump in on the Eastern European trend uh, of Atalanta players. And since Kenny's giving uh, Miranchuk uh, honorable for his goal, I have to give... uh, Malinovsky a dishonorable for missing a penalty for the Ukraine today and kind of making their whole uh, win against Macedonia slightly harder. But uh, they got the result in the end and kudos to Andrei Shevchenko and his team. But uh, moving swiftly to keepers, um, I have to give a dishonorable mention to a social media trend that I saw. Our good friend Karl Kraus tweeted, is it a bird? Is it a plane? And um, no, no. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's not Superman. Your your presentation, your video. It's Buffon. There, Palmer released this video of Buffon digging up the goal at, at, at the Tardini Stadium and finding an, a box with his Superman shirt and his old Palmer kit. Come on, guys! And never and the internet's lapping it up. This is the worst thing. Don't don't encourage them, mate. Boaz, can you not piss off Carl Kraus because he's going to come on this podcast next season? <laughs> Why was it all in English as well? Yeah, I mean, and that's another thing. I mean, Buffon is a great guy and all, but his English is not exactly maximal, let's put it this way. Okay. Um, and speaking of Serie B, uh, Kenny, you've got an honourable. Yes, honourable for Alessandria, who were promoted to Serie B. Yeah, beating Padova on penalties and ending a 46-year stint in uh, Serie C, obviously followed by absolutely mad scenes, pitch invasions at the end. Uh, So, yeah, well done to them. And, uh, yeah, love to see it. Right, now we've got a couple of quite silly uh, honourables (laughs) to to end the podcast. Um, What does uh, Ronaldo have in common with Elon Musk, Buzz? I'm not sure. You tell me. Just working together to uh, manipulate markets. Perhaps, although um, I have to say that this the notion that uh, Ronaldo can somehow uh, change uh, American investors' opinions is a bit grandiose. But um, I, I wanted uh, everyone saw the episode of Ronaldo moving the Coke bottles out of the way and then using another Coca-Cola product, water, and I prefer <laughs> to drink this Coca-Cola product. Fantastic. And then everyone saw... Um, uh, Pogba moving aside the non-alcoholic beer products because he's a devout Muslim and uh, non-alcoholic fair, Heine, non-alcoholic Heineken's disgusting. So that's maybe it was a style decision. <laughs> and, then, and then even even Locatelli was at it today. He kind of he as for a joke he moved the Coke bottles a little bit as well. But personally, this this uh, honorable mention for me is all about Nyangolan. Whoa, Black Betty Nyangolan, <laughs> who, who 
was swift to post on his Instagram a picture of him at the press conference with like a ton of <laughs> booze bottles in front of him. <laughs> uh, never changed, then, Golan. Yeah, this is, he's living up yeah. to the, his cliche. It's fantastic. A man who, yeah. play, who was seen in more nightclubs in Milan than played games. Maybe we should uh, have an end of Euros podcast in his honor and try and drink. That's what our awards should be called, the Nyangolan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and Kenny, you want to finish this off for um, Mancini's almost famous impression? Yeah, so this is a film that I think most people are uh, are, are familiar with. But what, inevitably, when I reference it, as I do all too often, people seem to look at me as if they don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So the, the excellent uh, American motion picture, almost famous, uh, which... Chart, like follows a band that is about to to sort of break it to the big time. Um, it has a scene in it where the singer gets left behind by the by the team coach, and he kind of chases after the coach and is like, "It's okay, you can leave me behind. I'm easy to forget. I'm only the fucking lead singer." Right, so this is an honourable mention for the Italian coach driver who managed to do the same to. Italy legend uh, Gianluca Vialli uh, <laughs> just before the the game against uh, a game against Switzerland where they they managed to drive off from the team base for the game and left Mancini who very, very stylishly it has to be said kind of raced after the <laughs> raced after the team bus with his kind of cabin baggage behind him as well uh, so yeah this dis- absolutely dishonorable mention you can't leave Vialli behind come on come on guys well, who are you giving the dishonorable to to Mancini no, to the coach driver. It's a dishonorable okay. for the coach driver. Okay, fair enough. Right, on that note, I think that is all we've got time for this week. Um, if you don't already, please do subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. We'll speak to you after the Wales game. Until then, enjoy the football. La Roma è campione d'Italia per la stagione 2000-2001. Il titolo del 2008, l'Inter è campione d'Italia, sedicesimo scudetto per la squadra della Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.